welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by HF Plastering, with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Stand Chum, bearded legends, I've known him now for three decades, Mr. Paul Levy. More than three decades, thank you very much indeed. Hello everybody, happy new year, and welcome back. After a couple of weeks off, we're back, and this is episode number 203. Bit of a huge show for you this week, as we review the main events since our last show, on the 16th of December, we've got four league games that have happened over the festive period that we're going to have a very quick look back on. Lots of views from everybody. And so without further ado, let's crack on with this week's show. And as always, a quick word from our sponsors. So our sponsors, as you know by now, are AJF Plastering. They are based in Essex and they cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work. They specialise in silicone colour render systems. And you must know this by now. The best part is they offer... Leighton Orient fans and staff 15% off their prices. So you can get in contact with these boys uh, by free means of communication. First by email. So you can email ajfplastering at outlook.com or you can visit ajfplastering on Facebook or they are on Twitter. All you need to do is search Twitter for big ads with a Z L O F C and get your prices quoted. So come on, new year, new you. Let's get the houses nice and tidy. Absolutely. Yeah, we're very pleased to be entering the second half uh, of the season with Adam and the team uh, sponsoring us. Moving on then to the Supporters Club. There's an update for you uh, from them. There's two trips to tell you about. First up is Port Vale on the 18th of January. Kickoff is at three o'clock for that one and coaches are going to be leaving the Supporters Club uh, for the Stoke-on-Trent area at half past nine. That's a uh, cost of, for that one, is £34 for adults and 31 for your concessions. And next on uh, after that is Crew Away on the Tuesday, the 28th of January, 7.45 kickoff. Coaches will be leaving the supporters club at half past one. And the cost for that one's going to be 34 quid again and £31 for concessions. All of the trips will cost you and another three quid if you're not a member. Under 15s can travel for half price but must be with an adult. And remember, they do these prices do not include your match day tickets. So if you want to get onto any of these coach trips, uh, you can visit the supporters club on a match day, or you can call the travel line on 07-22-135-970. Nicely done. So a short update from the Leighton Orient Trust. So a bit of fitness news for you. So launching in January is Fit O's. It's a free 12-week health programme for men and women aged between 35 and 65 who are looking to lose weight, get fitter and lead a more active life. I think I need to get going with this one. Uh, <laughs> sessions will be held at the Score Centre, which is opposite the club, as you all probably know. And as part of the programme, you'll get to take part in events at the Brea Group Stadium. So you can sign up for this at www.efltrust.com forward slash fit. Fans. You're a fit fan. I'm a fit fan. We're I'm not very fit, fit actually. Um, to be honest with you, so something like that would be would be very interesting. But anyway, moving on then to the festive and New Year's period that was. So um, to Huey Tuesday, uh, the seventeenth of December. Happy twenty third birthday to Orient defender Sam Ling. Yeah, it feels like it's a lot long time. Yeah, ago. absolutely. So happy birthday there to Sam, and that was followed up. On Wednesday, the 18th of December, as we say, a happy 50th birthday to our late promotion winning manager, Justin Edinburgh. Always remembered, never forgotten. Annoying loves him more than he will ever know. Yeah, 
Um, Saturday the 21st of December then, the under-18s were in action in the morning. Unfortunately, they lost away at Peterborough 6-1, so unlucky to the young O's. So time for the first main event out of four main events this week. So it was Cambridge United away. The team lined up with Sargent in goal, and at the back, Judd, Turley, Epiteta and Happy. And in midfield, Wright, Clay and Marsh. And in up top, JMD, Wilkinson and Lee Angle. And on the bench for this one, we had Coulson... Gorman, Kiprianu, Dayton, Brophy, Harold, and Ross Sitoriu. So yes. it's the same again this one for Ross Embleton as he named an unchanged starting 11 from the last game, but a different bench as Dean Brill missed out with a hamstring injury and the paperwork for Arthur Janata for his loan spot Potters Bar didn't come through in time, meaning the O's had no substitute goalkeeper for this one. So at the mm. time, my fuse, well, that's an awful long time ago. Mm. I expected that lineup. Um, I thought Dean must have picked up his injury very late in the day to not have the paperwork ready for Janata. And I felt sorry for Josh, actually, to miss out against his former club. That would have been his biggest game of the season, going back to that stadium. But he was on the bench. Um, but, you know, I presume he'll get over. He'll get on at some point, I wrote. Mm. And I thought it was interesting that Saturu was chosen over Alabi on the bench. So Alabi now, at this point, not even making the matchday match squad at the expense of a player in Saturu, who'd gone to Dover, put in a hard graph for a month, got a couple of goals, got some decent publicity out of it, and now he's got his chance, so he's done the right thing there, so maybe Alibi should follow suit, go on, get yourself out on loan, get a couple of goals, and then come back for the confidence and make it impossible for the management team to drop you. Considering he's in the last six months of his contract, you'd think he'd want to be playing to put himself in a shop window, yeah. at least for a summer move, if nothing else. You'd imagine so. Um... I do love an unchanged side. My view is I do love an unchanged side and considering how well the team did last week, it's justified. We lose Connor Wilkinson who pulled up in the warm-up, uh, unfortunately. So him and Dean Brill, we don't seem to be getting much luck with our injuries. So um, hopefully that will change soon. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of tweets uh, when the team was announced for this. We're yeah. just going to uh, use one for this one. So we bet our late and never tweeted us and said, just our luck if Sarge collides with the post today with no goalie on the bench and he hashtagged it Orient Pessimism yeah I wonder what would you who would you stick I mean it's not a concept we really need to have but who would you put in goal if Sarge couldn't play and there's no goalkeeper on the bench I've got no idea if any of those boys can play in goal or not it's a, it's a question I'm Mad, sure it? we'll ask Ross one day yeah so the M11 <coughs> derby kicked off with the O's looking for their first win in 11 games away at Cambridge a team in 11th in League 2 not doing too badly but as it turns out um, Connor was uh, injured in the warm-up. James Brophy started then in his place. And it was a goalless 29 minutes. Uh, first 29 minutes, but the O's took the lead through Jamie Turley. As JMD's free kick was headed across goal by Marvin Ekpateta. And Jamie Turley ran in unmarked to smash the ball home to put the O's 1-0 up. Now, if you can remember it, yeah. great finish by Jamie Very Turley. Very good finish. Great delivery by JMD. Good, good for the combine, good Marv. Yeah. Good finish, good goal. And at that point, you're thinking, right, this is going to be our day. This is yeah. where the first win in 11 is going to come from. Mm. So really good start. And then shortly after, Josh Wright doubled our lead. Just six minutes later, after Leanne goal was tripped in the box, it was quite a blatant penalty. Do you think? Yeah. I think the fact when the defence doesn't really appeal it is quite obvious. Right, okay. So for me, it was a blatant penalty. So upstep Josh Wright, whose penalty I thought was well saved actually yeah. by their keeper. Keeper guessed well, went, went well. But luckily for us, rolled straight back into the path of Josh Wright who was running onto the ball. He tapped in the rebound into an empty net. 2-0 to the Did O's. Didn't celebrate that though. And in Dreamland, I think he was quite relieved right. that 
he'd had a penalty rebound. saved, but yeah. he was lucky to get the rebound. But a great start for us, two up. And again, you're thinking, right, this is the day. Merry Christmas. So, really... Yeah, early Christmas present to really us. Really good. Yeah, and you'd have thought the game was over on the stroke of half-time as Jordan Maguire-Drew scored an absolute wonder goal following a free kick. It was about 30-odd yards, maybe a bit more out. Um, if you haven't seen that, um, watch it. Yeah. And if you've seen it, watch it again, because it's really that good. <laughs> and I'm sure most people listening to this pod have seen it, but an audacious effort from JMD... Confidence. Take, take a bow. Yeah. Well, when you're two up, a free kick from like that, you've got a bit more flexibility to, to have an effort than what you do, I guess, at a nil-nil, where you don't want to waste it. You're kind of more open to have an effort, but a great effort. Um, and it came second in the Sky Sports goal of the day. Missed out on the goal of the day by just 1%. And at that point, three nil up, and you're in dreamland, but us as Orient fans know that half-time lead is never quite... That's Enough. three goals, though. You think that three goals would be put to bed, but Trevor Kettle was handing out uh, yellow cards like Christmas presents for anyone. So, you know, anything could happen um, in that game. Great goal by Jordan. Um, and you think 3 0 gives you a bit of a comfort buffer, but, you know, oh, oh, this is Orient. It, it doesn't really work like that. At half time, Ross would have been delighted. He would have got those boys yeah. in and said, Great performance, just do exactly the same again. And just don't let them get an early goal in the second half. Don't give their crowd anything to yes, get to on. get behind. Exactly, we've we've learned from that before. So half time was three nil. The crowd was announced as five thousand four hundred and eight with twelve hundred and six away fans. That's a fantastic effort. I know yeah. it's not far, but people have still got to give up their days to their day to go and do that on the Saturday right before Christmas as well, when everyone's getting pressured from wives, girlfriends, kids to go shopping. Fantastic. Family members just to be around, yeah, absolutely. So well done to those twelve hundred and six fans. So there were no changes for the Orient at halftime. It's Cambridge came out of the blocks as you'd expect. Sam Sarge called into action, he made a few vital saves. One in particular yeah. was very, very good, and he's really come in and made that number one spot his yeah. own, or 100%. making that number one spot his own. He'll know that this is probably his best opportunity if he is going to be on its number one. Now's the time to step up. Brill's out injured. He's the most experienced goalkeeper at the club. So now it's his time to shine. And if he can get a decent couple of weeks or months in, and obviously we'll talk about him a bit more in the podcast, he's got a real opportunity now to kind of be the number one. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that people are going to be aware, so this won't be too much of a spoiler alert with the signing of Lawrence Vigoro uh, early, uh, late last week, that you know Lawrence can't just walk into the team. You know He's going to have to fight Sam for that number one shirt. And for me at the moment, it is Sam Sargent's shirt to, to, to give up so mm. yeah absolutely he's done very very well uh, Ross Embleton was yellow carded in the 65th minute for a touchline <laughs> incident don't really know too much about that one he loves a yellow card as he does Ross. Yeah. yeah so the hosts pulled a goal back in the 69th minute as Jack Roll scored with an, to be fair an excellent strike from outside the box about 25 yards out here first time curling into the top corner gave Sargent no chance I guess the thing to be disappointed about with this one you could argue Craig Clay gets dispossessed in the build If you're being very, very touchy yeah. and picky, Clay should do better in the build-up there to not let that chance happen. But yeah. their player still got a bit to do from the distance. But yeah, that's also true. 3-1 up, 20 minutes left. You're thinking, right, come on. Don't do anything stupid. Don't do anything silly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 77th minute, it was a double substitution as Hector Kipriano replaced George Marsh and Matt Harold replaced Jordan Maguire-Drew. Yeah, the 82nd minute, it got to squeaky bum time as Cambridge got a penalty after Jamie Turley was judged to have pulled Sam Smith down in the box. I think that one was probably a penalty 
as well, to be fair. So up steps Sam Smith, tucked it into the back of the net. 3-2, yeah. and a very, very nervy finish awaited. And again, at this point, you're thinking we've got 10, 15 minutes left. It's going to be a long 10, 15 minutes, this one. Yeah, in, in, yeah, absolutely. it's exactly the situation you really didn't want to be in. Two minutes later, though, in the 84th minute, Reggie Lamb was shown his second yellow card after he deliberately caught the angle. Bad Naughty challenge. Naughty, that. Naughty. Bad challenge. Unnecessary. Could argue that might have been a straight red. Yeah, way horrible, horrible challenge. It's good that it wasn't that it was a second yellow because now he couldn't. Then he couldn't appeal a three-game ban or a two-game ban, whatever it was. On a red card, you could appeal it. But in his first game back last week, he got sent off again. So yeah. well done there well to done. Reggie Lamb. Consistent. <laughs> but the O's one-man advantage didn't last for long as Miles Jard was shown his second yellow card just one minute later after he miscontrolled the ball. He made a late challenge on the Cambridge player who made the most of it, but he gave the referee that decision to make. Cambridge player's got in the ref's ear. That's second the yellow for him. That's the Job thing done. about it. That wasn't really a yellow card. It was a little bit late but it was, and it was a free kick, but if they hadn't have got in his ear, he wouldn't have got that yellow card. It just shows you what a poor referee Trevor Kettle was. Ex-Cambridge United player Josh Coulson replaced James Brophy in a reshuffle in the 88th minute. That was our third and final substitution and an anxious seven minutes of timer added on. But we secured our first away win in 11 games to the, to the delight of the travelling faithful as the O's saw out the game. 3-2 to leave us full of festive cheer. Yeah, they certainly did in our last game before Christmas. So Ross Embleton after the match. It's really strange because I've just walked in and it was almost a subdued feel to the fact we'd won a game of football. And obviously the reason for that is because of the way the second half has panned out. We have to remember that it's been a while since we've had that feeling. I think although the second half turned out to be the way it did, I felt our first half performance certainly deserved the three points. As unusual as it feels because they've probably come off the field with more of an upbeat feel in terms of the way the second half went. Albeit we've come out with the points. I think the main thing, first and foremost is that we've got over the line and we've got them three points on the table that we've been waiting for for a very long time. So I like what Ross had to say there. Yeah, agree. Uh, the league table sees us move up to 15th then uh, in the league. We've now played 22, so we're just shy of the halfway mark. Uh, we've won six, drawn seven, lost nine of those. We have a goal difference at this point in time of minus six, and that means we've accumulated... 25 points and for me I th- what a huge win absolutely huge win it's the culmination of all the hard work that the team have put in and also the players have put in to get us back on track after that yeah. uh, sort of cra- car crash of a situation with uh, with Carl Fletcher Ross has been bold with the changes he's made to the team dropping mainstays like Coulson and Brill for example uh, but Turley and Sargent have come in done absolutely outstanding work and justified Ross's decision and I noted that going three up in the first half doesn't guarantee us the win, and we gave ourselves heart palpitations. But thanks to Sam Sarge's saves and the hard work, we did hang on to sign off before Christmas with a win. So well done to everyone. Yeah, for me, again, it feels like ages ago. Well, due to the fact that it was ages ago, but a fantastic win, a massive win. It gave us something to build on into the Christmas period. For the week before against Bradford, you could feel that the team were improving and becoming better and Turley obviously we'd spoken about him the week before was obviously having a massive effect in the centre of defence for the first half you can't ask for any more to be 3-0 up and a world class strike from JMD I thought that was fantastic well played to Sarge who made some vital saves like we said early in the second half I want to go those go in and it turns into Different a real yeah. real scrap and he got man in a match which was also nice to see and I finished off, and I've left this in because obviously we're honest in our views. Yeah. Said I'd expect Ross now to be appointed imminently 
as head coach, which will be a fantastic Christmas present for Rose fans, getting rid of the interim role and taking away that pressure going into Christmas and having that announcement then would have been fantastic. And had we recorded the podcast on the Sunday after, on the 22nd of December, I fully would have expected to have one of those oh no moments, they're going to announce something on the Monday, which we might have tomorrow, ironically, which we'll come on to. <laughs> so those were our views, so your views, there's a huge amount of tweets, as you'd expect in this podcast this yeah. evening, there's a few on Cambridge, and again, just because we read them, please take it to mind, it doesn't mean we agree with them, we put them all in for as much balance as what we can. Yep, so T01028 said, 10 from the playoffs and 9 from the bottom. Nine points up for grabs in seven days. Come on, you owes. Yeah, dear Stu, says, first half, absolutely bossed it. JMD take a bow. Second half, we played a bit too deep. Sarge, couple of great saves. Judd, a bit stupid getting the red, and I think he knew it as he walked off. Kettle, well, I think I've run out of swear words. Hashtag Stu. Ross the boss. Stu, expected more from you on that. But absolutely agree that having gone through no up, my concern was that we were going to sit back and invite yeah, the pressure which on. which we did. Which we absolutely did, and you never do that. Uh, Dave M1812 said massive win solid first half nice to get three goals especially JMDs seemed to panic and kept dropping back after they scored some brainless defending settled down when Harold came on and held the ball Kettle still the worst ref in the league yeah a lot of views about Kettle coming yeah. in Lawton Gam tweeted us so we are still far from the finished article but that was a really encouraging performance and JMD's goal was spectacular should have never allowed it to get that nervy in the second half, though. Luke underscore T7 said, We are Orient. Going three, going three up at half-time was never going to be an easy second half. Like Bradford last week, a lot of positives. We have a few fixtures in the next week, and I hope we can go on a run now. Great opportunity to still finish in the top 12 this year. Yeah, the final word on Cambridge goes to Ed Jones, 1976. It was the second week in a row we've competed well, and the whole side have given everything... Yes, it was a nervy second half. We were desperate to get the win, so sat back, which invited them on angle, worked his socks off, and credit to Ross for putting Sarge in goal. He was my man of the match. So thank you to everyone who tweeted us after the Cambridge game. As we said, there's plenty more tweets to come, so don't worry if yours hasn't been mentioned so far. Yeah, prediction league. Uh, surprisingly, there were no correct predictions for this match, and no points were awarded, and we'll do a full round-up at the end of this podcast. Sunday, the 22nd of December. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, Mr Levy. Thank you. Happy to the Hanukkah. Jewish community who celebrated the Festival of Lights. Glorious festival. Yep, it's a very nice festival, actually. You get to eat lots of donuts. <laughs> uh, Monday, the 23rd of December, then, at 5 o'clock, the club announced that Dean Brill will potentially be out for the rest of the season after suffering a hamstring injury in training and will undergo surgery and begin a rehabilitation period, although he is unlikely to feature again this season. Ross Embleton said, obviously Dean's come out of the team in the last couple of weeks, but it is easy to forget the quality of the man, the quality of the player and professional. It's been nothing short of remarkable what Dean Brill has done since going in as goalkeeping coach to pick up his gloves and start playing again, to win a league and find himself back playing in the Football League again. And from us all here at Orient Outlook Podcast Towers, we wish Dean a speedy recovery and a successful rehabilitation. Yeah. We hope to see you before the end of the season. Yeah, we absolutely do. I think I'm gutted. <laughs> For yeah. Dean, if I'm honest, it just lost his place in the team, um, and I think that would have been quite an interesting competition to see him go up against Sergeant, pushing each other. And obviously, we spoke to Dean at Justin's uh, gala dinner, and he was yeah. very kind of happy and hopeful um, about what the season held. 
And obviously, I think he's out of contract in the summer, so he may have played his last game for Leighton Iron Football Club, which would be a sad way to go it to end if that is the case. So like Paul said, we wish Dean a successful rehabilitation and a speedy recovery. So Tuesday, the 24th of December, happy Christmas Eve, which was followed by Wednesday, 25th of December, and when we wish you all a very Merry Christmas, we hope you had a good one, and a very happy birthday to the outgoing and former... Now gone. Already at Bournemouth. Already at Bournemouth. Yeah, Orient's media manager. So he won't listen to this anymore. No, Elliot, we're dead to him now. We are dead to him. He's come up He's not interested in League 2. He's, he's pure Premier League now. Uh, Thursday the 26th of December, Harlow Town tweeted on Boxing Day that youngsters Jeremy Sivy and Jordan Adeyemi had joined Danny Chapman's side on loan. Yeah, so some good experience there for those two youth players. And it was time for the second main event of this podcast as we entertain the informed Colchester United at home. So the team lined up with Sergeant in goal with Marsh, Ekpateta, Turley and Happy as your back four with Brophy, Clay and Wright in the midfield in Dayton, JMD and Angle up top. And on the bench for this one was Janata, Coulson, Ogie, Gorman, Kiprianu, Sotiriu, and Matt Harold. Yeah, James Dayton returned to the starting eleven, and Miles Judd missed out through suspension. Joe Widdison and Connor Wilkinson were still out through injury, and Arthur Janata was named on the bench in a bit of a makeshift defence as George Marsh ended up going in as right back and Dan Happy in as left back. And my views on the team, I think it would be best to have had Happy at left back, to be honest with you, with Coulson and Turley as centre backs. Otherwise, put Ogie at left back. If he's good enough to be on the bench, he's good enough to play. So rather than have to shuffle things around, play players in the positions that they're naturally good in and you'll get the most out of them, is my view. Um, you know, no need to play Marshall right back because you could have put Turley at right back, Coulson at right centre back, Happy at left centre back, and Ogie at left back. Yeah, fair point. Plenty of experience in there. Yeah, fair point. I agree with you on that point. But at the time when that team was announced, there were so many players who all play in the same position. I think I texted you at the time, so I can't. I can't give you my thoughts on this because I can't. I don't know where who's playing where. I can't tell if Dayton was going to be using the four four two if he was going to be the right man in the four three three on the right hand side. So my honest views on that one. No idea. Yeah. Um, okay. So we will go forward. The match kicked off at 1pm, so early doors for this one, on a cold and wet boxing day as the O's were looking to build on their good away win at Cambridge. But like we said, Colchester looking to improve on their good form to maintain their push for the playoffs. Yeah, Sam Sargent had to make a good early save from Harriet in the second minute and Pell had a header cleared off the line on the half-hour mark by George Marsh. Yeah, but Colchester took the lead in the 41st minute as Robinson tapped home following some good work from Ryan Jackson on our left-hand side, their right-hand side. Danny Happy was beaten too easily, with the O's looking for the offside flag, uh, which wasn't coming. I think he was marginally just on. I think I've seen like someone steal it. It was yeah. very close. Turley didn't move, and Epiteta didn't move up quick enough. Oh, was that why? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, 1-0. Disappointing. I mean, that's the worst time to concede just before half-time. Yeah. I think if we get in a 0-0, it's much more encouraging. Right, let's go at them, let's... Try and get this goal on and start hard and fast and, and, and take yeah. the game to them. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely agree. So the half time was called then by the referee, uh, going at 1 0 down uh, at home on Boxing Day. The attendance was a whopping 5,648 with just 790 away fans. I not say bad. just, that's a decent. That's not bad. Boxing Day is a Christmas, tough one. Like, yeah. as 
you know, like I it's Colchester, out. so I'm going to give them stick. Absolutely, it's just seven hundred and ninety. Absolutely, no changes for the O's at half time. And Colchester went close in the fiftieth minute as Poku's shot hit the outside of the post. In the fifty-fifth minute, Sam Sargent made another very good save from gambling from close range. That was a great save because that was literally point blank and straight at Sargent, who had to react very quickly. That was a very very good save there. To be fair to Sarge. Cool. On the hour mark, James Dayton was replaced by Matt Harold in our first substitution as the O's went 4-4-2, but Colchester doubled their lead in the 64th minute through Harry Pell. Sargent made a good one-handed reflex save from a deflected Robinson shot, but Pell reacted the quickest, quicker than our defenders, and tapped home to make it 2-0 to Colchester. I say Sam Sargent was very unlucky there, makes a really good Does. save and his defenders, his defenders let him down a bit by yeah. not reacting as fast as Pell. And at but that point you're thinking... That sort on. of goal I've seen plenty of time, I, I think it's just one of those, you, just, you know, I'm not too upset by it. He just happened to be in the right place at the right time and just reacted a bit quicker than us. Yeah, when it's going for you, it's going for you. Yeah, exactly. Not. They're on the ascendancy, you see. Yeah, absolutely. They, they were, they'd come off the back of a decent run and were looking to push for the playoffs, so... So 10 minutes later, yeah. Dan Happy made way for the recently recalled from his loan spell at Dover, Ross Satoriu, who made his league debut. I thought he'd played before, but obviously he hadn't. Obviously, I think he'd played a few minutes rushing in the National League a long time ago. But yeah, the forgotten man, forgotten young man, back yep. in the frame. And the O's were ramping up the pressure and were rewarded in the 81st minute as Matt Harold's header fell to JMD, who shot, I thought, was quite weak, but obviously on a slippery surface. Their keeper kind of couldn't hold it, let it go. Ball fell to Satoriu. Easy task of tapping home and game on. As Colchester were on the back foot and it's 2 1. So yeah, great impact for Saturu. I mean, amazing he impact. can go off his backside, I've said, or whatever. A tap in for me. I don't Doesn't care matter, as long as it goes in. 2 1, game on for the last 10 15 minutes. Exactly. With 10 or 15 minutes to go, you've got a game, a goal back, and it's, it really is game on, isn't yeah. it? Four minutes of time were added on, and in the first minute, Robinson puts the game beyond doubt with his second of the match as Jamie Turley overcommitted as he tried to stop Robinson getting to a through ball, which fell to Courtney Senior, who played it back to Robinson and shot first time past Sam Sargent, making it 3-1 and game, set and match. I think Sargent might be disappointed with that one. That's, I think, probably the only goal which I look back on and go, you may feel that you may have been able to get a hand to that one. But at that point, 3-1, straight into injury time, and that was real game over. Yeah. Right, that was done. Um... So disappointing as the full-time whistle went shortly after as Colchester saw the game out, meaning a Boxing Day defeat. To your rivals as well. To your rivals. But it is what it is. Ross Embleton spoke post-match, said, In recent weeks, we've had a pride and a desire to do League 2 things, if you like, to compete, win tackles, do all the gritty side of the game. I'm disappointed because we didn't quite do those things. Those moments in the box got to do better spot on in both boxes 100% in both boxes 100% that's an abridged version of what Ross said if you want to uh, hear his full interviews they are on the club's YouTube channels yeah good point so that loss in the league table meant we dropped three places to 18th in league 2 as this is the halfway point now play 23 only won 6 out of 23 like nearly a quarter yeah drawn 7 though so the draw is not bad but obviously you want to turn like we keep saying you want to turn those draws into wins to get a few of those onto the other side of the table lost 10 goal difference of minus 9 so the goal difference actually at this point isn't too bad at minus 9 and points 25 so your views on the boxing day to beat Colchester yeah I mean very disappointed uh, for what I can gather we just didn't really seem to be at the game losing is never nice but conceding 3 goals as we did uh, is poor and having come off the back of beating Colch- uh, Cambridge sorry, 
3-2 and scoring three goals. Um, maybe the one or two had a bit too much turkey and stuffing <laughs> on their Christmas uh, on their Christmas plates. And I don't understand, as I said earlier, why we weren't playing players in their natural positions. Some of the players, I think, actually need to have a bit of a long, hard look at themselves and ask themselves if they're really doing their best at times and giving their all. Um, I know there are mitigating circumstances about what happens off the pitch and what's happened uh, off the pitch uh, at any football match. Um, and I know what's happened in the summer is, has been very, very difficult and some are still probably slightly jarred yeah. and, and, and dealing with that. But I, I think that, that there is a certain element that, that falls outside of that and effort and endeavour, uh, for me, are two of the crucial things that, that, that you can't buy in. You've either got it and you want to give it or you haven't and you won't. Um, and I just don't think some of them are doing that or maybe just some of them just aren't quite up to the level that, that we need them to be to be competitive in this league I might sound harsh by saying that I think some of the errors though that we keep seeing in our play and the sloppy passing uh, stuff like that the basic stuff hasn't been rooted out and that's really on the players to take responsibility you know once they step over the white line Ross, Danny and Joby can't do anything else and it's clear to me we do need some fresh new faces who can come in hit the ground running because as I see it everyone's shirt is up for grabs and no one's really guaranteed for I, me. I thought this game was a really disappointing result off the back of a better performance against Bradford, off the back of a good win away to Cambridge. Yeah. You know, three days later you've got your I guess main rivals in terms of geographical main rivals coming Local in the league too. And we've kind of been I wasn't at the match Nor was I, so yeah. I can't say for sure, but it sounded like we were outclassed for most parts of it and cultures that were just better. Out desired. Than us, yeah. I like mean, Ross I, said, doing the nitty gritty stuff we weren't doing. I'm not sure. Again, it's easy for me to say it's in hindsight after a defeat, but surely with JMD, Brophy, Dayton, Harold, Wilkinson when he's fit, Lee Angle, surely that's got to be four four two, right? And you're just mm. just crossing balls into the box with the quality of a Brophy cross, a JMD cross, and a Dayton cross. This four three three for me, doesn't really fit. I don't think we've got the players to do it. So I was really disappointed when I saw that formation, although everyone said George Marsh did play really well at right-back. Um, so fair play there to George. But you've got Dan Happy, who's a centre-back, playing at left-back. I think you touched upon it. But if Ogie is good enough for the bench and he's good enough to start in his position at left-back, um, I think the so reaction on social media, and obviously we'll, we'll come on to a few tweets shortly, was a bit over the top. I think people were going a bit too mental on Boxing Day, uh, but I completely understand it. And for the first time in recent years, there seems to be a lack of direction um, at the club, which is leading to fan frustration. So again, we'll come on to the, the tweets after. But this was the first time post-match, I would say in the last two years, where fans were not happy with the owners in terms of, I guess I mentioned it near the Cambridge, but we were all expecting after the Cambridge win for the club to come and go, right, Ross is your head coach now. We won a game. This is what we were waiting for. So everyone, get behind him and let's have a great Christmas period. But that never came. And then we've fell to a disappointing defeat. And I think because of the manner of the defeat, no announcement about Ross or whoever the head coach might be at that point. Mm. I think everyone was just really annoyed and angry and upset and it was cold and we just lost. Um, and obviously we'll come on to those tweets. Mm. But... I ended it by saying, if we went on Sunday, though, away to Newport, it's all forgotten and everyone's as happy as Larry, which is how fickle football can be. So let's go exactly. on to your views. In. So again, these aren't our views. These are views that came into at or in Outlook. So we'll start with Paul the Cali Man. 
One home win in 11 is relegation form. We need a manager in ASAP. Poor performance, and if anybody can defend that performance today, then they need to get their heads out of the clouds. LOFC Robbo said, I think the time has come to get the management position sorted. Sorry, as much as I respect Ross for stepping up, in my opinion, he's not the man for the job. Also, defence needs a complete overhaul in January and a proven goal scorer brought in. I don't think we need a proven goal scorer. I think we need a, de- a proven supplier of crosses, I think like you, you've just said. Well, I think the angle could probably get you 15 to 20, but I don't think he works in a 4-3-3. Is my honest assessment. And he doesn't work out on the wing either. No. He needs to be central. With a partner. Yeah. I thought with that. That's just my view. And I think Morganson is tailor made for a 4 4 I mean, totally agree with you. Yeah. Uh, Magic underscore John said, please, I beg you, get a decent central midfielder. Two years we have got to buy with average players in that position. Every game is the position we look weakest in compared to what the other team have. Daniel underscore D44 said, I actually thought we didn't play too badly. Our issue is that we're not good at turning opportunities into chances and chances into shots on target. Something Cole, you were pretty good at. Not criticism doesn't take into account the shocking conditions. Yeah, so fair point. A bit of, very wet bit pitch. Of balance there. Very yeah. wet pitch. Barry Twin. So sentiment aside, some of this squad are not up to league football. Need quite a few new faces in January to compete in the second half of the season. Darren Reisman said, "I didn't expect anything this season other than consolidation." Too many fans saying we have automatic right for playoffs and promotion. People need to get real and wake up. Win a few, lose a few. It's the Orient way. I like that way. That I one, do. That one may have been just, final word. We're just, we're just losing a few more than we should. <laughs> That's the only thing. Colin, 1881, said, Outplayed for good parts of the game, but the performance of George Marsh at right back was stunning. Probably best right back in the league, let alone the club. <laughs> Very high praise no. indeed, Colin. Nige Lad White said, Not one Orient player would get into the Colchester team. We are miles behind the promotion chasing sides in Division 2. Consolidation has turned into realisation, and we need a new manager, coaching staff, and squad if we really want to be competitive in this league. Well, Nige, not um, holding back there. Steve no. DF1 says, Unless he's got a drug bar bodybuilding kit for Christmas, <laughs> Liango is not cut out for the lone striker role. Playing three wingers behind him in a 4-2-3-1 was never going to succeed in today's conditions. Looked better when Harold came on and I'd like to see more minutes for Sotiriu. Yeah, El Hangel said, Bigger picture is that the 17th is that 17th at the halfway point is good really and about right too. Winning away at Cambridge and then losing at home to Colu is the nature of this season. Ups and downs. What more can be expected? Form of an average mid-table team because that's what we are. Yeah, another good tweet there. A bit of realisation, yeah. Yeah, good tweet. Only one team. So there's no legs in the middle due to Marsh being played at fullback. You either play Wright or Clay, not both, as they are far too yeah. similar. Only one up front at home, hardly any quality to him. Once again, after going one down, we fell apart. The team needs rebuilding and investment, and it's time for the sentiment to stop. Spartacus1957 said, On the whole, I think we played okay, considering that we have two fullbacks and a striker injured. But unfortunately, some supporters are obviously upset because they expect to win every game. Just beaten by a better team. At Masters underscore James D says, I think there's room for legitimate criticism of the performance. But when your best midfielder is playing at right back, you've got a central defender at left back, and your main striker is out injured, you're always going to struggle. Centre of midfield, a huge concern for me. Mm. We are too soft. And that's not the first tweet or the last we've received about the central midfield. I agree. I think play. we need someone. Right. Yeah. Norman, I mean, there's a lot of players there, but are they all too similar? And do you need, well... Do you? Yes, we need like a Vincelo Dawson Dawson player. Yeah, absolutely. Who's just going to be a bit of a horrible, horrible midfielder to yeah. play against. Yeah. But 
one we see all too often come to our place and control the game pretty much. Yeah. Steve Dawson's at Hereford now. Yeah. And Romain Vincelo's injured at Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury yeah. yeah. So final word on this one then. Sorry, Kevin Cowlin um, said, disappointing result for sure, but context needed surely. Salford promoted with us are just four points better off. Didn't suffer a terrible tragedy like we did and haven't been without their skipper all season. And they didn't lose their two main strikers. Trust in Ross will be okay. Sent a voice of reason there. Kevin Cowley. Kevin Cowley. He's, he's back. He's he, back with yeah, voice of reason. And the final word, someone else who's always very positive at Stuart 1973, who ended by saying, we weren't quite at the races today. Don't underestimate how good Colchester are, especially on the counter-attack. Upwards and onwards, stay positive. Yeah, so that meant the prediction league stands as follows. Billy Carroll, GB... And LOFC Robbo correctly predicted today's results, so you get three points in the Prediction League. Congratulations and well done to you. Uh, we'll do a full roundup, as we said earlier, at the end of this week's podcast. So, so that then moves us on. Yeah, the fixtures didn't stop there. There's no. nothing happened in the three days building up to Sunday, the 29th of December. And it's time for the third main event as the O's travelled to Newport County away. So the team lined up with Sergeant in goal. And at the back, Judd, Turley, Ek, Pateta and Happy with Clay, Wright and Marshall midfield. And JMD, Angle and Saturiu up top. And on the bench for this one, Janata, Coulson, Gorn, Kiprianu, Dayton, Brophy and Matt Harold. Yeah, so it was the first league start for Royal Satoru. Fresh from his goal against Colchester, Mild Judd returned from suspension to the lineup, and Connor Wilkinson and Joe Wooderson were still out through injury. And former young O Tristan Abrahams lined up for Newport County. I was quite happy to see Royal Satoru yeah, starting this one. I wasn't justified. sure if he was going to be on the bench again, but mm. good to see Ross put his faith in him. Mm-hmm. And get them on the pitch. So I was quite happy with that team selection. Yep, I agree with you. I don't think there's too much you can do and tweak uh, that with, other than say Kipriano in for for maybe Craig Possibly, Clay. Yeah, get that ball player on the on on the pitch. Yeah, Ollie Sonnenfeld tweeted us after the team was announced and said we have two highly rated left backs in the squad, Sweeney and Ogie. So why not play them instead of a makeshift left back? As a, I guess we've already kind of picked up. Dovetails into discussed. what I said earlier. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Prior to kick off, there were celebrations of Justin Edinburgh's life. And he, as he was being inducted into the Newport County Hall of Fame, a selection of those fans and friends of the podcast paraded the famous National League champions. You made us sing that banner with Justin's family in the ground and were presented with commemorative gifts at half time. Yeah, well played to Newport County. Well played 100%. to Darren and the guys who took the flag. I think Mike, yeah. uh, Dan Santon and Michael Radbourne paraded the flag on yeah. the pitch. So well done to you guys. So the match, what a start. Amazing, Amazing start. start. <laughs> Set could for more, could you really? No, dream start, barely two minutes on the clock, a free kick on our left-hand side, floating beautifully by Josh Wright, right bit of quality <clears throat> into the box. Satoru cleverly got ahead of his marker, flicked his ball with his head Backwards. into the net. Yeah. 1-0. He what wasn't start. facing goal, he was facing Josh Wright. Great so header. Great header, it really was, yeah. Great header. Very good goal by him. Great to take the lead, but also dangerous to do it so early on. Because it means you're having to defend for large parts of the game. That's the only problem. With well, it depends what how you kick on. You no, go right. You defend early for large goal. parts. Of, this is Orient, not Man United or right, Chelsea. Okay. Yeah, you defend for large parts of the but game. Real good delivery there from Josh. Great for all who's got to be yeah. full of confidence at this point. And that's as interesting as the first half gets. Really, no real action to talk about for the rest of the half. Newport had a few half chances. Nothing really worth talking about. Otherwise, we'd be talking for the sake of talking. So you guys went in at the break. 1-0 up, I will say that we didn't create anything other than that one chance that Satoru took. Yeah. But half Thank time, God we took it then. You're in 1-0 up, up, 
It's an open place, Decent, really. yeah. 4,447 people turned up uh, to watch this game. 453 of those, so just over 10% of the crowd were Orient fans. What a lovely bit this one. I'd yeah. love to have gone to that one as well. However, Disney on Ice was very good. Highly recommend it okay. for anyone who's thinking about it. So the second half kicked off. No subs for the O's. And the 50th minute, a nice uh, touch of both sets of fans applauding as a mark of respect for Justin and Emma. I thought that was a nice touch there. 100%. There was an injury scare in the 52nd minute. Sam Sargent has to receive treatment on his shoulder. Thankfully, he was okay to continue. And in the 67th minute, JMD swung in a free kick as Dan Happy got his head to the ball, which was comfortably saved by King. Yeah, absolutely. Shortly after, James Brophy came on for JMD as Newport started to apply the pressure for the equaliser. And equaliser was coming, and it came in the 82nd minute as a hopeful bicycle kick uh, was put into the area. It went towards the far post into the path of Padraig Amond, who volleyed. Good finish, to be fair to the guy. Volleyed well into the back of the net from close range to make it one all. No chance there for Sargent, I think. No, it's not Sam Sargent's fault. <coughs> it's just one of those, isn't it? It's just another one of those where Pedrag Amond is just a sharp striker. We weren't, I think Judd was the closest man to him who was watching the ball and not the player. Amond is just that poacher in the box. He's just going to chase, he'll sniff a ball in the box and he's just going to chase it. Um, and nine times out of ten, nothing will happen. One time out of ten, he's earned his... He's earned his side a point, and, and arguably um, they have been the better side and probably deserve that goal. Yeah, was, like we said, I think it was coming really. So, 85th minute in at 1 all, Matt Harold came on for Rawls to Turu, and Newport continued to come forward in the final minutes as Josh Labadee skewed over from the edge of the box when he should have done better. I mean, that chance, I don't know if you've seen it, the cross comes into the box. Some great defending from, I don't know who it is, it might have been Marsh to clear the ball when it comes to their player who you think is going to put it into the top corner yeah. and it just went over the, over bar. the bar so yeah. it could have been much worse than it actually was really the fourth official signalled five minutes of additional time in which Craig Clay and Leangle both came close to nicking a winner Clay's 18 yard drive deflected wide for a corner Josh Wright took but Leangle could only flick his header over the bar as the referee then blew the full time whistle as the points were shared in the last Orient game of the year and the decade wow um, I don't normally do Prediction league, but I thought in my head one all that would probably be the result of the day because because of the occasion of Justin Edinburgh. I just felt that there was just going to be a one all. Oh, you should have said you should have put money on it. Yeah. You should have tweeted in. So it's Embleton after the match. So it was a fantastic start. I'm delighted for all again. It's great when you make a change and you get a goal so early. Yes, I'm very disappointed at the fact that we never built on the good start. I thought we had a few moments and a few little bits and pieces here and there, but I didn't feel we did enough to impose ourselves on the game. It's something that we've got to get better at, but I think in the scheme of things, if we look at the result and the way the game panned out after that, and the fact that we didn't impose ourselves well enough to come away with a point, I suppose you would have taken that on the road in our current situation. And Ross also took a moment to praise Charlie and Edinburgh, as well as Kerry and Sydney in what was a very emotional day at Rodney Parade. I think Ross has got a spot on. You would have taken a point beforehand, yeah. and we'll just come into it to our views, but to be in the lead for so long, yeah. and to kind of lose it, I think, in the 82nd to not minute. Play well. To not create chances, to not play well. Granted, their pitch is atrocious. It's worse than ours. Quite, quite a bad um, pitch, there. Because pitch. they play rugby on it, so it's naturally going to be a completely awful pitch, and no doubt they play probably a lot of long, long ball. Um, but to not create chances, to not have that effort, desire and endeavour that we talked about uh, in the Colchester game, again, 
you know, we could potentially have defended better and not. That goal is a is a bit of a freak goal, but you know the circumstances that led up to it. If we defended better, maybe we'd be in a different position. But that draw meant that the O's move up to eighteenth, uh, sorry, seventeenth in League Two. As we've now played twenty four, we're now over the halfway point. We've only won six of those, drawn eight, and lost ten. We've got twenty six points and still a goal difference of minus nine. So you're using this one quite short and sweet, right? This yeah, one? I think it's fair to say. I'm pleased we didn't end up losing this. Newport came at us a lot. We absorbed a lot, but couldn't keep hold of, the th- of all three points. And given the occasion, as I said, one all is a good result and not a terrible way to end the year. For me, like I guess we said, disappointing that we held out for so long after yeah. taking such an early lead. But like I said, it could have been worse. So that, that chance that one all goes in yeah. and we lose the game 2-1, I think there would have been another kind Furious, of yeah. outrage on Twitter. But it sounds like after we won all up early, we've only spoken about one other chance, which is Happy's header, which is quite a basic save for their keeper. And other than that, we haven't really worked their keeper at all. Uh, but I have to say, kudos to the travelling fans. That is a long way to go. That's an early start. And well done to Newport County, whose induction of Justin into the Hall of Fame was absolute yeah. quality. Agreed. So those were our views. Your views, Wrecker Blue App starts them off by saying we've got a draw. Stevenage got beaten in the 96th minute of Plymouth under Graham Wesley, uh, who's back there for the fourth time. So have to take it as a positive overall, but good to see Satiru scoring again. John W999 said the midfield were dreadful. They lacked any of uh, any quality passing, control and ball retention. It was dire. Satoru and Angle feeding off scraps. Back four worked incredibly hard, but got zero assistance. Lord Griff 98 was not happy. Starts his tweet by saying, utter filth. We are settling our team up not to lose, which I understand against certain teams, but not against an outfit that haven't won in eight games. The match was there for the taking, and Ross should hang his head in shame, assuming he requested the team to play so negatively. Question mark. Uh, Lyndon Orient said, did we lose? Reading a lot of the negative comments... Look, uh, may have been uh, sorry. Look, may have been scrappy, but a point away from home is good. Fans have been fickle this year. Like I keep saying, just got promoted. Fans expecting too much. Been embarrassing this season. Was always going to be a nothing season. Yeah, RD Manda says this team needs to be broken up and rebuilt. With Justin as manager, they would have been okay. But now they're just lost. But refuse to see that any new manager has no chance of success as long as the we were great under Justin mentality is in the majority. At El Coado said, I'll take a point away from home and it's good to see Satoru finding the back of the net for us. However, I feel like January needs to usher in some big changes in the squad as a fair few don't look up to League 2 standards, sadly. Bayford underscore Joel says, shocking performance. Got lucky by scoring with our first chance early on and then just sat back for the rest of the game. Set out with too negative of an approach to ever look like picking up the three points today. Uh, at Karen Orient said if that ref gets his petrol money then I want my hotel and expenses paid for disgrace in my honest opinion with some angry emoji faces uh, however I do think it was lovely how Newport County remembered Justin Edinburgh the menace 1881 just can't recall ever seeing such an inept one-sided referee take a point but disappointed that we didn't seem to have a game plan after the early goal it was backs to the wall for 90 minutes no shots all game Sure, we can do better than that. Judd played really well. Orient Fan TV tweeted in saying an away point should have been a bonus. However, after going one up, we were on the back foot for the rest of the game. The midfield were non-existent. If it wasn't for the back four, we'd have lost that. But the best thing about today was the way that both clubs remembered the great Justin Edinburgh. Yeah, very nice. MCA Ziggy 
So now is the perfect time to draw a line under the Justin era after an emotional day for both clubs. A tried and tested manager needs to come in before the transfer window and if we continue to remain indecisive then we are doomed to be watching over our shoulders. That tweet in particular got a lot of likes. I remember when we were collating this plan, that one that had mm. a lot of um, retweets on it. Yeah, uh, Essex Biz tweeted and said, after the second half performance, I'm happy with a point. Still too inconsistent, but a point is better than nothing. 2019 has a cra- was a crazy year at the club, from the joys of promotion to the despair and heartbreak of losing our Justin. Here's to a successful and happy 2020. Happy New Year. And here's to seeing John Macker at the O's in 2020. 20. Where have you been, John? And then the final word goes to at Neil Sanson, who says, probably fitting that neither team lost on a day when Justin was remembered. Points away from home, especially on that pitch, aren't to be sniffed at. A couple of new faces enduring the window and we'll be fine. Happy New Year, lads. And Happy New Year to you as well, Neil. Yeah, absolutely. Prediction League update then. A lot got this one yeah. right. Chris W underscore one PM three one nine seven oh both see uh, Nick underscore Clark ninety nine James O'Hagan Neil thirty three Dave M eighteen twelve David Barrett six Spenno zero one one Reedy QB nine Boggs Dollocks uh, one Strop underscore O Eastside Orient Tim Scales ninety four Wings Mad Floodgates East London Exile Big TB four seven uh, who all predicted one all and you get three points, but a super well done to at Neil Sanson, who predicted one all and Rule Satorio. So you get four points and we'll update you later in the show. Yeah, so let's get now to three days. So nothing happened in the build up to this one, apart from New Year's Eve and the turn of a decade. So Wednesday, mm. the 1st of January, and the last of our four main events with Walsall away coming up. So we ran a Twitter poll before this game to find out how you thought the O's would get on. We had 171 votes in 24 hours with 22% of you thinking we would lose, 29% of you thinking we would draw, and a staggering, very high, I thought, this one, 49%. When I was putting that in, I was thinking, really, 49%? (laughs) Thought we would win. So, as always, thank you for all of your really hopeful votes on this (laughs) Yeah, so 85 people thought that we'd win. Uh, Anyway, Sam Sargent lined up in goal for us uh, for this game. Judd, Turley, Ekpeteta and Happy with a back four. Clay Wright, Marsh, J&D with Angle and Satoru finishing that lineup with substitutes for this one. Janata, Coulson, Kiprianu, Dayton, Brophy, Dennis and Harold. So that meant there were no changes to the team who started the game against Newport just four days ago. As Louis Dennis returns to the bench, as Joe Willison and Connor Wilkinson still not fit enough to return from their injuries. I know there's a lot of games um, in a very short, short space, space of time, yeah. so we hope Willison uh, and Wilkinson are recovering well and we'll hope they'll be available Shortly, well, there's no update on that, so all we can do is hope they're fit for the game in the coming week against Grimsby. Yeah, absolutely. I do like an unchanged side, but I do agree with some of the views that came in uh, about tired legs out there and not been a lot of rest in this period. Maybe some changes could have been put in for those that haven't played as much to give, perhaps some that are a little bit more tired that have been a bit leggy, because there's no time to recover in three days. Yeah, uh, and to work on what you're going to do in the next one. So I mean, I quite like the lineup, but then I read what your views were because um, you put yours in before mine, and I thought that's a fair point actually. Tired legs. Walsall were coming off of the back of a home defeat against Carlisle, mm. um, and I thought, yeah, it might have been worth just going again four four two and putting Brophy on the left, Dayton on the right, fresh, and just going, boys, just run them. Yeah, just run their tired fullbacks and yeah. see what you can do. Um, but you know, I get it. So. 
a lot of tweets actually when this team was announced. S Church it tweeted us said I worry we haven't utilised the squad over a tough Christmas period and tired legs will impact us today. Ross admitted previously having made that mistake and there's mm-hmm. a fine line between reaching for consistency and overplaying players. Amazing tweet. Very good, Amazingly a great point. Stephen Orion also tweeted and said, Surprised. Ross said earlier this season he should have refreshed up the team when playing games close together. Therefore, after a very physical game where we were up against it for 90 minutes against Newport, I am concerned a couple of them will struggle fitness-wise. Dan Alton, 2590. says, no shocks. Thought there might be a bit of rotation, just like Walsall have done over the Christmas period. We'll get tired quickly today if we are on the back foot. Haven't got a manager to make that decision, though, so it's the board's fault again if it goes wrong. Paul Gregory said, I thought Gorman for Clay and Hector for Marsh, both players I replaced, looked tired on Saturday. Yeah, Rob Satoru, SZN, says, Anger right and early, shouldn't be starting. Rotation is... Need. Strong thing there. Yeah. So the match kicked off as 2020 got underway with the O's looking to start the year in style by taking the points against the Walsall team who had only lost two of their last 12 matches and were one place and one point above us in the league. Yeah, good run of form at the moment for yeah. Walsall. So not much to talk about in the opening 25 minutes. Walsall were forced into an early change due to an injury as Facey was replaced by Norman and Miles Judd picked up a booking in the 23rd minute. 25 minutes on the clock, Miles Judd brings... Uh, sorry, Miles Judd crossed to the back post. Liango headed down <coughs> to Walsall Toru who sliced well wide. Decent chance that for a player coming off the back of two goals in two games. Um, but well, well over the bar and then next up Marvin Ekpateta had to be alert in the 35th minute as he deflected Gordon's effort behind and in the 36th minute Guthrie's corner fell to Gordon in the box as Sam Sargent made a good save to keep the scores level as Walsall were then forced into their second change shortly after this time Guthrie limped off and he was replaced by Bates and in the 42nd minute JMD took a free kick which was volleyed wide by Wright at the back post that wasn't a bad chance there to Wright um at the back post, and I don't know if you saw this, but John Sitton saw a picture of Josh Wright Instagramming at midnight and said, this guy's a footballer, should he be Instagramming at midnight the night before a game? Just thought I'd throw that in there. Okay. Well, he should be asleep and resting. In yeah. John Sitton. I know football's very different now, and I'm not calling right out. I just thought it was quite interesting. Because it's New Year's the Day, The perception right? of an older... Well, he was a manager. I'm not going to quote manager because he was a manager but he said in my day if you're playing the day after I would as a manager I would not have been happy to see one of my players on social media at midnight when you've got a game an away game and you're obviously at home at that point or at a party why why, why aren't you in bed that was a fair point yeah absolutely so just not to say that that posting had an impact on him missing no no not at all I just Popped to my head, I thought it was yeah, an yeah. interesting point of view and, to get across. I didn't see that, yeah. But just a minute later, then, uh, and two minutes before half time, Walsall <laughs> opened the scoring as a big, long goal kick seemed to evade everyone. Not sure how people didn't notice that the, the long <laughs> kick going through. Uh, the ball came to Gordon, who took it past Sam Sargent with his first touch and dispatched it into the net with his second to make it 1 0 to Walsall. What a basic, basic, horrible, disgusting route one goal to concede. Ross he took will it be. well. Ross will be angry at that. Yeah. They'll all be angry at that. I mean, that's Route 1 football, isn't it? Yeah. Really disappointed. And the defence will also be disappointed to concede a goal like that, as we all were. So yeah. three minutes He of... did well, though. They still have work to do. 
but he did well. Took it well. But it shouldn't be in that position in the first place. No, absolutely not. But he did. He did take it well. But then he's just got the sergeant to beat, and then it's a pretty straightforward goal in it. But really disappointing. So three minutes of time added on. In the second minute of added time, Craig Clay wins the ball midfield, fed in Satoru, who shot over the bar, meaning the O's went in one 0 down at the half time break. We had a tweet that came in from George Nicholas underscore one who said midfield have done nothing again. Walsall's small front line keeps managing to outjump our big back line and link the play up and movement is non-existent. We really need one of those big second half performances we've seen before because if not, we're there for the taking. Orient underscore Ed who sits in front of us in the south stand tweeted us and just said one word. Terrible. Mm. Yeah, so attendance was announced at 4,000. 260 through 425 brave, hungover, cold Orient fans making the journey. So kudos to everyone making the journey. I was in Butlins and I was cold and I felt horrible, so God knows what it was feeling like in Warsaw. Mm. So there was a double change at half-time. It's Josh Wright and Leanne Gold made way for Matt Harold, who took the captain's armband, and for James Brophy, he also came on as the O's went to four. Four, two. Yeah, 51 minutes on the clock. Appeals for a penalty as James Brophy was bundled down, but the referee waved play on. And Cameron Pring was booked in the 56th minute for pulling Matt Harold down. I like the name Cameron Pring. Uh, Walsall had the first chance of the second half and the hour mark, but Gordon headed just wide. That was a good chance there. But again, for me, midfield stopped the cross coming in. The, mid, the guy puts the cross in, whose name we haven't got, so much time to pinpoint his cross. Put him under pressure. Defend from the front. Don't let him cross it in there. Basic stuff, right? I what think, you're well, saying is basic stuff. Think, what should be happening. I think it is. I don't know if it is. I think it is. I think it is as well. Absolutely. I see it happening a lot. And someone, <laughs> a Premier League player commented about their striker. I can't remember who it was. It might have been... It, ah, it was um, one of the Spurs players talking about Harry Kane, how he charges down from the front and it makes life easier for them in the middle. Yeah, of course. And everyone behind him because um, of, of him doing that. Um, 65 minutes on the clock Walsall reduced to 10 men as Cameron Pring received a second yellow card for a foul on George Marshman and the O's would play with a man advantage for the last 25 minutes never a good thing though that was definitely a second that's like a as second a yellow yeah it's a second silly yellow. challenge so a claims for an O's penalty a minute later so two of you seems to be fouled in a scramble and the ball eventually came to JMD who shot over the bar and again JMD was trying his luck again this time in the 72nd minute as his curling effort went well wide Walsall were close to doubling their lead in the 75th minute as a poor clearance from Sam Sargent eventually saw the ball come to Gordon, whose shot took a deflection off Marvin Ekpeteta and it went just wide. Very close, that one. Very close. Eight second minute in. Final sub for the O's as Jamie Turley made way for Louis Dennis, which saw James Brophy move to left back. Yeah. Um... I made a note here and said, "Why not take Equiteta off? Why take off Jamie? Why? Why would? Why? Uh, what, why was Jamie to... Turley taken off? I don't know. If you're going to do that, for me, you take you leave the less experienced one on and take the more experienced one off. Maybe fitness. The only thing I can think of is fitness. Obviously, Turley's. It's a lot of games in a short space of time for someone coming mm. back from injury, but don't know." Okay, I'll take about that one. George Marsh sent an effort harmlessly wide in the 88th minutes. Four minutes of time were added on, and the final minutes were played out. And the full-time whistle went, meaning we lose four. Uh, we lose, sorry, one nil on New Year's Day, and it was just one win in four over the festive period, which started uh, so well with the win over Cambridge. So Ross Embleton after the match, and I think the biggest frustration for me, and I'm sure for everybody in the dressing room, everyone associated with the club. 
people on their way home, supporters, is that it's pretty much our season in a nutshell so far. Underperform and don't quite compete in first halves. Make errors and give away poor goals. Give ourselves a lot to do in the second half and then come out and walk away and say we should have got something out of it. Every now and again you do something out of it but you can't keep banking on pulling a rabbit out of the hat in the second half. And I think that's what we've done on too many occasions this year. So it sounds like Ross there. I'm not watching interview back, so I don't know what his body seeing language his is like. But you can see, or you annoying. can sense from that quote, seeing yes. is, is what I'm picking up. You could see it in his face. On the back of that. That he yeah. was fuming with that. Absolutely fuming. I wouldn't like to be in that dressing room uh, when he's, when he's uh, venting. Uh, that loss saw us drop to 19th in the league, having now played 25 games. We've won six, drawn eight, lost 11. Goal difference has got worse. We're now at minus 10. We've still got only 26 points. Your views on that one, Mr. And for Levy? me, such a disappointing game and result. Again, unfortunately, another one I wasn't able to make, but a club similar size to us, struggling with injuries, who were only a point and a place ahead of us, managed to score one goal because we were poor and then went down to 10 men and hung on to all three points. Not because they put in an amazing defensive performance, but because we simply weren't good enough and it's become such a theme of my post-match thoughts. Our crossing was poor, we didn't get a grip on the game, our so-called flair players lacked flair, our strikers weren't getting the service that they needed. And it's just, as I said earlier, you know, when they step over the line, it's on them, it's their responsibility. You talk about structure and formations and all the rest of it, but it all means nothing if there's no desire, if there's no determination to win 50-50 challenges, to stop the crosses coming in, to give them the time to play their game. You're not going to win football matches that way. The better teams have a press to their game. They put the opposition under pressure and then capitalise when they make a mistake because they can't deal with it. We don't do anything like that. We just sit there and let other teams do what they want to do. And I don't know if we just... It's because we don't have a style and we don't have a game to impose on other people. I don't know if there's something there's something lacking. Maybe it's just the players that we do. Clearly, the players that we have just aren't League Two standard. Okay. Good point. Period. <laughs> They're just not. There's a lot of players that we need to, to we need to move on. Fresh out. Fresh out. Anyone who you want to say in particular? Anyone well, who, who clearly, leaps out? Cl- cl- clearly, the guys <laughs> that are not playing, Alabi and Gorman. No point having them if we're not going to give them the chance. For me, I'm not a big fan of Craig Clay. Nice guy, I'm sure, but I'm not a fan of Craig Clay. For all of Brof, his huffing and puffing and all his speed doesn't really have an end product for me. James Dayton's been injured. Could we free up the space there for someone who doesn't get injured as much? You know, your creativity often comes from the wings and we're not getting that. But you could argue, though, the formation, you don't play wingers in the formation like that. But they're it, our flair it, players, are my they? argument, yeah. They're the ones that, if they're not doing the, putting the crosses in, then they're the ones that are taking on the full-backs and getting in behind them and then putting the ball in for an angle. We're not even getting that. We're getting nothing defensively. You know, Martin Ling said in episode 200 of Jordan Maguire-Drew, you don't get anything from Jordan defensively, so he'll be judged on his offence. Yeah, yeah. And all right, he's got an all right record over the last six weeks for example you know he's put in some good crosses scored a couple of good goals but by and large he can go missing in games as can Brophy yeah. can go missing in games because you know if they're not helping out defensively then they need to be smashing it up top you know it's different if Leangle's missed another chance missed another chance missed another chance good cross good cross good cross missed the chance missed, you know what I mean yeah, yeah. We're, not, we're not talking about that we're not talking about barely any chances that we've created no I mean Angle we've not, talk, we've not spoken about Angle in that no. Pretty much in any... Any of the last four to six games? No, he won a penalty against Cambridge, and that's all I can think of. 
that we've mentioned the angle yeah. in terms of one to and He's our main yeah. main striker. So yeah, and we haven't points. got back two, a left back and a right back that are bombing forward because we're playing a slightly more narrow formation, for example, that's allowing them to bomb forward. So we haven't even got that coming forward. Juddy likes to get forward. Dan Happy isn't going to be that no, one that goes forward back. because he's not a left back. Yeah. So you're kind of like stunted in the middle. And when you haven't got the Vincelo or the Dawson that's going to be the battering ram, be that, do that dirty stuff, um, as well as they do it, then it, it's going to cause us problems. Yeah, so I think our, our midfield really, like others have said, you know, I've got nitty gritty about it all. And I don't mean it disrespectfully to these guys. I'm sure they're lovely people. It, just purely on a, on a footballing perspective, um, uh, you know, our, our mid four are just not where we need them to be. And, yeah. and yes, that is a, an area, in my view, that we need to strengthen quite heavily. Who that, who you bring in is a Dawson stroke Vincelo esque player and a more creative player as well. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. Let us know if you agree with what Paul has said and if you don't agree with what Paul yeah, has said. Yeah, just to add to that as well, I know we're missing Joby McEnough as well. Like, it's been mentioned to me yeah. uh, when I was talking to friends and, and, you know, we have, and Dave Victor's even mentioned it, you know, as well. It's a good point. You know, Joby McEnough, quite talismanic, very aware Can't of the head. game. And, yeah, and he's that voice of reason out on the pitch uh, yeah. and that leader on the pitch as well. I don't know that we necessarily have a leader on the pitch. I think once you take Coulson out of the team, which we've done, once you take... He can go quiet. Once you take Brew out of the team, I think Brew was quiet. Brew never stopped shouting at his defenders to, at to, all. to a fault at times where he made mistakes yeah, and possibly, shouted at others. Yeah, possibly, but it was very him. communicative. Yeah, I guess you were saying, a, yeah. you're not going to get much out of the four. Josh Wright seems like he communicates quite well. I mean, he's just taken the captain's armband. But he came off obviously at yeah, half time yeah, yeah. and Matt Harold took it. Yeah. But you can argue, is a forward really going to be a great captain? Because yeah, they're so far away. the character, the but yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I, cool. I think probably I, I echo probably some of your sentiments. Disappointing start to the year. It's the manner of that defeat. We're not really talking about any chances that we've created. Saturu sliced a shot wide. Jordan Maguire drew his cold one wide. Other than that, I don't. I don't think we've actually made any comments about their keeper actually making a save unless we've missed it in our edited highlights but I don't think we have um, and you can see the fans are starting to get more and more annoyed about the managerial situation about the performances about the strength of the squad there's a lot of criticism starting to come in rightly or wrongly for Martin Ling and for Ross um, I think at this point but we didn't create much and if you can't keep clean sheets and you don't create much then you're going to lose football matches correct it's, it's not it's not correct. rocket science no it's not um, again really poor goal to concede from a defensive point of view but we played 25 minutes against 10 men and all we've spoken about is a, a curling effort from JMD that didn't even wasn't even on target yeah. that's you know 25 minutes and that's with JMD on the pitch that's with Brophy on the pitch that's with Angle on the pitch that's with Louis Dennis on the pitch for 15 minutes Louis Dennis, what are you doing? Oh, there's another one. Louis another Dennis, man. what are you doing? Come on now. Another forgotten man. Another one that we've you know, lots of you know, signing. Again, like I say, we're lucky enough to have a massive following on our social media channels and we get lots of views in, and it's the same old questions now coming in. What's going on with centre midfield? You know, these players can't play together. Lack of the quality for a League 2 squad. It's always like the same points that are being made and we kind of sound like a broken radio yeah. to some to some effect you know <laughs> and I ended with saying <laughs> I love Ross but you either now give him the job or you don't but now you crack on you don't leave it this long 
at this point in time. Yeah. New Year's, the festive period is now over, right? It ended on Wednesday, really, or the matches, Thursday gone, Friday gone, Saturday gone, Sunday gone. We know a managerial appointment is coming through other channels that have revealed that, but come on, it needs to be sooner rather than later, and we'll come on to that, I guess, at the end of the podcast, but come on. And finally, I, I signed off by saying, best of luck to the future, Elliot Byrne, who, oh, yes. obviously, his last game, and again, he won't listen to this anymore because he's big-time Charlie now, so <laughs> see you later. So your views, there were a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of views after this match, as you'd expect. A lot of frustrated Orient fans based on the performance, based on the managerial situation, based on the score. So MS Orient says a decision must be made over the managerial position after this game. No more waiting, no more dragging heels, getting pretty serious now with a January transfer window open. Guy Incognito said, terrible, not a single positive to take out of that one. Alan Reeves too, said utter rubbish. It is absolutely time for the ball to step up and make a decision now. We seem to be just plodding along, hoping for a draw and have no direction at all. Time for the sentiment to end before we are in dire trouble, I'm afraid. Orient Electric said two corners all game. Walsall keeper not had a meaningful save to make. Even when they went down to 10 men for 25 minutes, they looked more likely to win. Dreadful, dull football being played by us. How can they give Ross the job? Get his doubt in now. Big Ads LOFC says the current playing squad isn't good enough and whether Ross is in charge or someone else's, the problem is the players and that won't change until we start replacing them. Centre mid, who can boss the middle of the park is a must. Yeah, Stroud Greeno said that that sounded pathetic. I feel sorry for the fans who made the trip. The club needs to sort out this managerial mess now. That uh, there's that frightening sense of hopelessness in the air that I haven't felt since our last relegation. Orient Meat Pie said no quality anywhere on the pitch, zero quality, useless tactics, and a director of football and people at the top fiddling while Rome burns. They need to make a managerial decision ASAP and sort this rubbish out. Otherwise, Justin got us up for nothing. Very emotive and hysterical that yeah. one. Orient Gantry said, guys, a lot of people moaning. But in reality, we lost our front two with 50-plus goals and we've been at without Joby. We need to strengthen the centre mid. I think everyone can agree. Plus, another striking option is needed, in my opinion. We need Joby back, but most of all, we need calm, clear heads. That was the tweet I was thinking of when I spoke earlier. Not Dave, it was yeah. uh, um, Andy Gilson. Yep. Jagsy1979 says, Poor defending has cost us all season. Add to that no bite in our attack and we've got problems. We're fortunate there's a few clubs somehow worse than us right now I mean obviously Bury, they're gone there's only one relegation place up Macclesfield, uh, might, Macclesfield go. might go Stevenage are down there but seem like they're starting to improve Resurgence. under Grant Wesley uh, Morecambe Morecambe just signed four players Derek Adams, Morecambe are getting best they're not losing by as many goals as what they were losing by so, pumped, it's, you know, it's, so just it's, pray, yeah. pray for the goal difference <laughs> um, Sunshine LOFC tweeted in and said sounded gutless and void of ideas this needs addressing ASAP. Changes in approach, first team management and some playing staff required urgently. It is clear the current approach is not working nor effective. Joe Jessen, the 16, says controversial. This is very controversial, actually, but I think we would have been better off at this point with Fletcher. At least he identified problems with his team and tried to do something about it. Ross is happy to let the slide continue. Nothing changed from game to game. We are directionless. I'm going to pull him up on that. I don't think Ross is happy to let the slide continue at all. I do think Ross is trying his hardest, and I think that people that don't see that are a little bit 
uh, blinkered by negativity. I, I genuinely don't think Ross has ever gone out there and tried to play negative football. I don't think, um, you know, even when it didn't work under Justin, I don't believe he set the team up to fail. And I don't believe he set the team up to fail in the long term either. So I think that's just nonsense and just hysteria, more hysteria. Uh, again, I think just people just need to like take a step back and just rain check themselves every now and again. Noreen underscore Telford said, as much as I love Ross and as devastated as I am about what happened to Justin, enough is enough. We need someone to come in and give them a kick up the backside and shake it all up. Preferably someone with no connection to Justin Edinburgh so that there is no sentimentality. And Lewis underscore Crump once says, it's something like 48 days without a manager. The transfer window is open. Sign a good left back, boring midfielder, and a real big character as we've been missing that in the pitch without Joby. And possibly Karoma back on loan until the end of the season. Yeah, Lewis, mate, you've got no chance of getting Josh Karoma back on loan until the end of the Championship season. Championship playing Josh Karoma is not sub. going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, Steve Forecast said better, much better second half. Can't see Wright and Clay in the same team. Odd bringing on Dennis to play in front of Brophy, who was causing all sorts of problems. Harold showed what an active front man can do. I really don't get all this talk of disgrace, all the balls fall, etc. The plan is to have a squad capable of staying in the league, which we have, to review the squad for those capable of playing in the league in League One which is being done and adjust accordingly which will be done Sue underscore Manx is wide close over same old Orient sorry but we have to leave the memories and look to the future we need a new dynamic manager and a backroom team new League 2 quality players and the ball upstairs need to open their eyes and face facts before it's hello National League Kid Sampsono said horrible situation in the summer but it's time to move on can't keep treading water with an underqualified assistant who doesn't want the job Making an external appointment was the right move weeks ago, and it still is. Just don't appoint a glorified secretary this time. Yeah, thanks to Kid Tampton, who sent us, I think, a seven-tweet thread, thread that I thought was really good. Obviously, a bit too long to read in the pod, but well done there. That is on our Twitter uh, feed, if you want to follow that. Kid Tampton. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really interesting, that one. At LesLK52, who's been very loud on Twitter, Les. Calm yes. down, Les. Yes. No one kid themselves. This is relegation standard. We are sleepwalking back to the conference. Warsaw were dreadful and we haven't even tested their keeper. I love Ross, but he ain't the man to take us forward. Andy underscore PO16 said the events of the summer were tragic, but the dithering and clinging to sentiment since this since is free-falling in the club. Any goodwill the fans had is rapidly diminishing. The board needs to show some balls and appoint a proven leader to drag this shambles to May and rebuild, including five new bodies in January. Charlie underscore Paul says, can't even get anything against a mid-table team who are massively short for injuries and suspensions that went down to 10 men. This cannot go on. We need a manager, the players and staff, Ross included, need direction. Matty, LOFC Evans said, the key word are missing is permanent. Uh, sorry, the key word we're missing is permanent. The lack of a permanent appointment is hanging over the club and fans alike, and it's making a stink. I don't agree that the board, and in particular Ling, should be getting the degree of stick they are, uh, but can't drag it out. I am underscore MO. says, unfortunately, three to four of this team are only good enough for the National League. If I ain't slapped by a point after the summer and, fars- and farcical management situation they've had, then it's been a successful season. ALB 5399 said performance today was pathetic. Clear out is needed. New signings and a permanent manager, whether it's Ross or someone else, we need the security. SMCCA 8421 says Ross has done everything expected. Not his fault he's not quite up to it. The board are hanging him out to dry now. Complete silence from them. 
but maybe things are already in motion. Again, another slightly hysterical tweet there. 1881 William said the club is coasting. Ross is a good man doing his best in difficult circumstances, but what we need is an experienced manager and some League Two quality players. David BR1035527 says time for the messing about to stop. Get a proper manager in now. Yes, Ross is a lovely bloke, but so is Danny, so is Joby. But if a proven manager wants the job and bring in his own team, then so be it. We are undoing everything we've built up and alienating fans at the same time. Enough. Richie J. Bourne said, Clay and Wright had no control of the midfield once again. Clay does a lot of pointing, but tackling and passing forward is a no-go. Wright as captain is so quiet. Way too many 50-50 balls in the box today as a whole, which created nothing. Yeah, another tweet about Wright and Clay playing together. Mm-hmm. ILOFC 1978. It's a sick of saying the same thing after each game. Need an experienced manager fast. Not another Fletcher. They can then look at the squad and make changes needed to improve us. May only be one relegation place this season, but don't let that fool you if you think it can't be us. Wilco 300 said Ross has done his job twice he's picked us up and steadied the ship now the board needs to do theirs and appoint a manager let this great Orient man go back and do what he does best before this all gets nasty Dean underscore seven Cox I still find it amazing that Dean Cox is tweeting us yeah, after Orient games and he scored a cracking goal for uh, Eastbrook oh, Eastbourne Borough well done day, Dino yeah. the, I think the situation needs to be clarified ASAP better for their management team and players and supporters knowing the direction the club are taking January window open need to get some business done and how can you sign players when your own house isn't in order don't know why it's taken this long either for Riff Ross or back him get another manager in and back him too clarity will help the club from top to bottom hashtag come on you O's Love it. Sam Needham underscore 01 said, I dread to think how much season ticket sales will drop next season if we have another four months of watching this. Very little attacking threat shown and our midfield has been anonymous all season. It's time for the owners to drop the sentimental stuff, I'm afraid. And the final word uh, on Walsall it goes to Vince Howard 73. It says, things can't continue as they are as fans will start turning their back on the club. We'll be back to playing in front of sub-3,000 at home and all this self-sustainability will go out the window. So let us know if you agree or disagree with any of the many tweets we've read out. Let us know what you think by tweeting us at Orient Outlook or by emailing <coughs> us at orientoutlook at outlook.com or we're on Facebook or Orient Outlook Podcast or on Instagram at Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast. Nicely done. The Prediction League, what you've all been waiting for, <laughs> David Landau, 17, and Tim Roberts, 28. Uh, Fozzie Bear fan... Aussie Bear fan, uh, all predicted the correct results, so well done to you guys, you get three points, but that means the top of the Prediction League is as follows, three at the top on 13 points, that's East London Exile, Spenno 011 and Steve Chaplin 4, uh, on 12 points we've got Floodgates, O's Fan Basing and Sue underscore Manx, and on 11 points we've got Alan AVM 1502 and Waller Ad, so thank you to everybody for all your predictions throughout the festive period. So let's move on into Thursday, the 2nd of January. At half past four, the club announced a signing of former Tottenham Liverpool and Swindon 26-year-old goalkeeper Lawrence Vigoro on an 18-month contract. So Vigoro told the club, I'm very happy. It's been a long process, but I'm really happy and hopefully a sign of good things to come. The prospect of working with Ross Embleton was massive. I speak to Ross most days, and if there was ever the opportunity to come here, it was something I wanted to do. He's really helped me out in my career. He's really good to talk to, and he was 100% the factor in me coming here. So read into that yeah, what, what you, you will. will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the manager after, after this. Ross, the interim head coach of Peyton Orient, said, I'm absolutely delighted. It was disappointing 
not so long ago to lose Dean Brill to a severe injury. So it is a position as certainly uh, we certainly needed to strengthen despite the good performances by Sam Sargent since he came into the team. Ross finished his interview by saying he's a very, very big character, extremely naturally talented goalkeeper, very good with his feet, very good shot stopper. I think he's as exciting a goalkeeper as you're going to find at this level. So your views on that, Lawrence? I think it looks like a very decent signing. He's got good experience for our squad. He's played at a good level. We'll probably keep Brill out the side should he come back before the end of the season, maybe even take the shirt off Sam Sargent. Um, probably just what we needed. I think he takes the number one shirt. Straight off instantly. the bat. Instantly. Right. I think it's very harsh on Sargent, but he's 26 years old. He's got a lot of experience. Ross knows what he's getting. Um, but he knows what he's got with Sarge as well. Plus, yeah, he's been up and down But since. I don't think a 26-year-old keeper is coming to sit on the bench at Leighton Orient. No. I, I think he'll be He's probably been sold to fight for your place. I like the look of him, though. <laughs> Big guy. On Instagram, he's got a little highlights reel that he's put up. Um, and he makes a lot of good saves. With his feet, he's quite good. He's got good like distribution. Um, and he seems like a bit of a character. I think the fans will take to him yeah. very quickly. Slightly so I think dubious, he could be quite a good signing. Slightly dubious his time at, at Swindon that him and Brof got, got in trouble for being out on a night out. Yeah, and he got fined uh, 50 quid. Yeah. Um, and paid it all back in pennies. Pennies, yeah. Which is quite what funny. A, what an absolute joker. I only know one other person that's ever paid a fine in, in pennies, and that was my old manager. He owed someone, I think, 100 quid for, a bet, for, for a bet that he lost. <coughs> so he went to the bank and got like 100 quid in one piece and two piece, put it in a bucket, and then tipped it all over his, t- over his desk. So it's not nice. <laughs> but I think great competition. And we've been talking about getting good League 2 quality players in to yeah. add to the squad. I think he's a good League 2 quality player a lot of Swindon fans rate him very highly yeah probably a which is a good sign but he hasn't had exactly the best of stability in his career my only question if he comes back in is is he match ready because he's not played at all for a while in Chile that would be the only reason why I think Sargent might keep his number one shirt but it'd be interesting to see and good competition for places is always good lots of tweets Paul Skinner, 88, says you always need three keepers and with Brillo out long term, why not try and improve on what you've already got? I don't see it as harsh on Sargent. I see it as an opportunity for him to up his game to keep this lad at number two. So yeah, nice little tweet there, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So that is that done. Uh, Saturday the 4th of January, yesterday as we record today, uh, the O's were not in action as our home game uh, against Northampton was postponed until Tuesday the 21st of January because they were in the FA Cup third round action against Burton Albion and they caused a bit of an upset as well. Uh, they beat the League One side at, away from home, sorry, four goals to two. So yeah. well done to Northampton. Well done to Northampton. A bit of a dangerous side to watch. Yeah, so moving on to today, it's What's Sunday. Going? The 5th of January, the ladies' development team were in action away to Sutton United. And despite taking the lead, they lost the game 2-1. So unlucky ladies. As it stands here, it's 10pm on Sunday, the 5th of January. Let's do it. Leighton Orient still have an interim head coach. We expect a head coach announcement to be imminent, like we've said in our tweet building up to this. We think a head coach announcement will be very imminent uh, depending on what time you're listening so as we speak no head coach for me personally I think it's going to be Ross Embleton I agree I can't see anyone else coming in out there there's a lot of demand for Paul Tisdale who I think would be good for Orient but I think due to his salary which is obviously a lot higher than would have been at MK Dons and from what we hear he's got a massive payout from MK Dons I don't think we've got a chance of getting Paul Tisdale 
Um, and then when you look outside of that and you go, right, who else is there? Who you want? Realistically, who would come to a League Two London club? Well, I think Daryl McMahon probably would have come to Orient. But, uh, but, in but a heartbeat. He has gone to Dagenham and Redbridge, and I don't think that was really ever on the cards no. anyway. So I don't think that's a great loss for us not having Daryl McMahon. Although maybe one day he seems like he's probably destined to be in charge later on at some point yeah. in his career. But when you go other than that, who is there? Who's out of work? There's not many people. So I think. Personally, it'll be Ross Embleton. I think whoever it is, as a collective fan base, we need to stand up, get behind that manager and support the team now. I think it's a real pivotal point of the season. On Saturday, we entertained Ian Holloway. He's Grimsby and he's had a great impact yeah. uh, at Grimsby. So I think that's a massive game. But should it be Ross, I think we all need to get behind Ross and really support him, whether you think it should be Ross or not. Now's the time to really get behind him and see up for him. No, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think I agree with you. I think it will be Ross as well. I think some fans have uh, delusions of grandeur when they're looking at who they're going to be, you know, having come in. It's all well and good that we're a big London club, but ultimately, um, it's a question of whether or not they want to come to us. We are a League Two club. We are nineteenth in the league. We, you know, we're not setting the world on fire here. I think Nathan Jones would be great, but I think that's completely unrealistic. He was at Stoke two months ago. Yeah. God knows how much money he was getting at Stoke. He's obviously going to get a massive payout. Um, and I've seen a few people tweet about him and Tisdale, but I think those two are really off the scale in terms of coming to Leighton Orient as it stands. I think also another name that was thrown into the hat previously was like someone like Chris Powell, who had sort of managed at South End, but he's now gone to Alan with Alan Pardew in, Hard, in no Holland. Chance. So you know, it's people like that that, that that they think that we can attract. We, you know, we're not paying two, three, four hundred thousand pounds a year for a salary of a of a League Two manager. It's, yeah. You know, yes, we're a, a sort of a fairly sizable League Two club, but you know, I think people need to understand that that managers have aspirations. I know there's only ninety two professional jobs out there. But these managers have aspirations as well. And like you just said, Tisdale has probably got a very good payout from MK Dons. He probably doesn't have to work at the moment. And he can bide his time and wait for the sack season in probably February time when people have done their business and not hit the ground running. And then the Nathan Joneses. He isn't leaving somewhere like Stoke and dropping to Leighton Orient. Yeah, like I agree. He's, got, he's used Luton as a stepping stone to get to Stoke. That's his level, a big championship club like that like a Birmingham City for example you know a big solid Middlesbrough type club that's his aspiration now not looking backwards down yeah. the, down the end of the tunnel at Leighton Orient in League 2 I would have to agree so we think it would be Ross uh, we think uh, announcement probably... I can't see it being anyone else yeah, you same look at the sack race betting as well well they've had it completely wrong literally from oh they've yet. had it always wrong but there's no names on there that you think oh yeah okay yeah, I agree you know what I mean Pochettino's not on there you know <laughs> how far how silly do people want to get so we will see what happens with that one and as soon as there's any announcement we as you would expect will be all over it so one hour 26 minutes Paul you were very close in what yeah, you were saying in terms of timeline let's wrap this bad boy up so Fantasy Football Update Andy Chalk is top of the Orient Outlook podcast Fantasy Football League on 1,310 points. He's ahead of Elliot Hartfree Pierce in second place. I'm having a shocker this season. I'm in 157th place Uh, out of 284 players. You still haven't podded in your pants? Oh, I haven't, have I? Well, remember. Okay, that's not a problem. We can do that next week. (laughs) Uh, Okay, positives and negatives. 
Well, let's, I'll do the Dream Team update oh, first. So, Dream Team do update. Our Hawks is top of the Orient Outlook podcast, Dream Team League, by just three points. He's three points ahead of A. Brown in second place. I'm in 28th place out of eight, seven players. I actually, had, I had a negative score this week because it's an okay. FA Cup week. Yeah. So, I had two players and they both lost. So, that's where we are for Dream Team. So, positives and negatives. So, you okay. can do it first. I'll do the positives then. Positives. One away at Cambridge. Great win. Yeah, Unfortunately, we win. didn't build on it, but great win. Yeah. Uh, Satorio scoring his football league debut and then subsequently. Yeah, well done. That's two goals in three games for him. Uh, and our first January signing's been done. Yeah, and a so, good, look, from what looks like, a good, good player. Yeah. yeah. So, negatives, injury list. Obviously, Wilkinson's now on it. Willowson's on it. Brill, I mean, that's three massive injuries. And we're not even talking about Joby McEnough, who's obviously a massive influential player. That's well, four. I don't even reckon Joby will play this season, to be honest. Well, you can look at, the, look at those four names and you go, right, that's three out of four who you imagine are on the team sheet straight away. Like Willowson's normally your first choice left back. Wilkinson probably starts when he's fit. And McEnough would probably start now if he's fit. So that's three players on the injury list. Second negative, only one win in four over Christmas disappointing yeah, due terrible, to the start really. we had yeah. Cambridge and the third negative although we think it's almost sorted is the managerial situation He's, Ross is still interim head coach it's taken a bit longer than what most fans would have liked so hero of the festive period we discussed it before we came on didn't put it out to public vote um, this time because obviously it was four matches to cover I'll let you announce this one We've gone with Raul Satorio. Yeah, so well done. So well done, Raul. So Satorio, that's obviously for his goal against Colchester and then following it up against Newport. We will say, close second, someone who deserves a mention, Sam Sargent. I think it's 100%. Excellently well. Not kept clean sheets, but through no fault of his own, I think. Um, and he's made some really good saves. So, well done there to Sam, well done to Raul. So, yeah, yeah really both, good. Both worthy winners, but we just I think Raul has just edged it there. So, next week then, <laughs> there's only the one fixture coming up for the Ozers. This week, we entertain Ian Holloway's Grimsby Town on Saturday, the 11th of January. They're currently 17th in League Two. They're rapidly improving after 1 0 away win against Mansfield on Saturday, and they're feeling the Ian Holloway new manager bounce as he's been at the club and has overseen two gritty 1 0 wins. So, if you're going, we'll see you there. And if you see us, why not come over and say hello or even give us an oi oi? Absolutely. So let's end with a sponsorship reminder. Don't forget, for the best plastering and running prices around, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs. Absolutely, yes. Uh, that is it for this week. Thank you very much indeed for joining us for episode 203. It's been a hectic Christmas and New Year's period. The games came thick and fast with one win, one draw and two losses. Not exactly the form we'd want to bring in to the new year. Yeah, on a positive, well, Satoru has made a good impression, scoring on his substitute debut and then on his full debut, which has given Ross food for thought about his options up front. And now with the January transfer window open, hopefully those in charge can look to strengthen the side further with the additions we've all been asking for. And hopefully the board won't leave us waiting too much longer with a managerial announcement. It's worth noting that we were disputing whether to do a yeah. podcast this evening because last time with Fletcher we'd done it no last we time with Fletcher it. we were certain the announcement was going to be on the Monday or, or and it didn't latest Tuesday. end up coming out until the Wednesday so we thought what the hell we're going to do a pod but tonight. I suspect it'll be early next week yeah and if there is we may drop a surprise little sneak peek for you if we can sort something out for that there might be an, an updated 
uh, version. Um, so that is that is going to be it uh, for us this week. We're going to be back with episode 204 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. If you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe and give our podcast a review. Uh, if you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn or Stitcher, add us to your favourites and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as we upload them. No reviews over Christmas on shocking. iTunes. Only Absolutely the 69 shocking. reviews. So come on. If you listen on iTunes, turn the podcast off now. Turn it back on after. Give us a five-star review. Give us a nice comment. We would appreciate it awfully a lot. And also, a lot of gifts given out at Christmas time. If you have a smart speaker... You can listen to the podcast on the speaker now. So in the luxury of your own lounge or kitchen or your bedroom, wherever you have it situated, you can have it right there. So it's as easy as it's ever been. Couldn't couldn't be any easier. Couldn't have been. It couldn't friend. be any easier. So if you've got an older relative, a loved one, or an Orient chum who you think will be interested in some of the information that we put out, please help them understand how to get access to this. So we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, and as always, thank you for listening. Have a great week. Do keep calm and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.